Days Five Hot Takes. Yeah. yeah. Welcome back, everybody. To Days Five Hot Takes. It's me, Dave, and uh, <laughs> shocker, Boo. It's me. Um, and I love you because it's Valentine's Day, and it's not Valentine's Day. This is the Valentine's Day episode. So you could be listening on Valentine's Day. You know, just getting prepped, getting mentally ready uh, for the Dia del Amor, or um, you know, you maybe listen to this later. But here's what this podcast is going to be about: is my favorite love songs or songs to me that um, when I hear them are like my, they make me feel all the gooey, mushy love inside my cold, dead heart. No. Um, <laughs> and I'm really, really, really excited about this because love songs, you know, ballads and love songs are kind of my favorite. And so this is uh, sort of low hanging fruit for me um, because, but I'll tell you this, picking this was really, really, really hard. As you can imagine, I'm, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're a music lover and um, being tasked with what my favorite um, five songs, favorite sort of love songs are. It's quickie, quickie, <laughs> quickie, y'all. <laughs> it's tricky, 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 tricky. Um, here's the qualification I sort of had for this because otherwise this thing is just wide open and it could have gone a million ways. I wanted them to be songs uh, that had to be love songs and mutual love. So that takes out all the longing songs, that takes out all the heartbreak songs, which is a lot of songs. You'd be amazed how many people, uh, you wonderful people, sort of commented on my Instagram post about your favorite love songs. So many of those songs were like Missing You by John Waite. That's not a love song to me. For this show's sake, um, you could argue it is, but I wanted something that was mutual love. So like, I love you, you love me, this is a love song, because it's Valentine's Day podcast, so I didn't want like, I miss you, or why don't you love me back, or I used to love you. Um, so that was a big qualifier for this. So so you need to kind of know that as I head into these five of my favorite love songs, um, because otherwise it can get tricky, because you'll think, well, why wouldn't you have that song on there? And it's probably because it didn't qualify to me. Also, what we're going to do is I'm going to do my songs, five of my favorites, and I want to say five of my favorites. Uh, the of is of of utmost importance because these aren't five my five favorites they are five of my favorites so if I even said that earlier uh, in a wrong way forgive me they are five of my favorites because I have an infinite amount of love songs that I love but what we're going to do after I do my five is I want to talk about the five that actually got the highest ratings uh, meaning that most people talked about these five songs as their favorite love songs after that and I'll, I'll walk you through those five uh, and kind of tell you you know what I think makes them great and all of those kind of things. So let's go ahead and jump on into this thing. In the day of love, in the love of days. Hot take one. Okay, the first one, let's just jump on in. Now again, these are not my favorite love songs. They are some of my favorite love songs and tend to be the ones that I thought of the quickest, all for different reasons. The first one for me is Glory of Love by Peter Cetera. Sweet, golden-voiced Peter Cetera. Um, who used to be in Chicago. If you know anything about Peter, he was a bass player in Chicago. So like, you're the inspiration, a bunch of those songs. He has got a magic voice. There are just people to me that when they sing, they have these really incredible abilities to communicate emotion. And to me, Peter Zatera's voice, it's just got this magic about it. It's really crazy how he can sort of sing and I just feel all these things. Um, you know, it's an older song. I also have this theory that I think a lot of songs mean... Uh, 
have have deeper meanings when they come from our childhood or sort of like adolescence or college or you know early 20s and 30s because I think we just are still sponges like life is still happening and so we create these little soundtrack moments for ourselves because it's the first time we fell in love or it's, we got through a breakup or you know you've you've just gotten to college and you're feeling free and you got this freedom so all these songs I have this theory about this that I can explain on another on another episode but about how we really tend to I, I just don't know that in our 40s 50s 60s we take on a lot of new music that means a lot to us mainly because I think songs that tend to mean something to us are always connected to moments in our life that mean something to us Um, be it college or that one vacation you went with your friends to Mexico for spring break and you know like whatever those moments are they tend to be connected in my opinion songs that mean something to us to fall in love fall out of love like even kids you know can help with that having your first kid and the song that they you know but I, I tend to think most of the stuff that really matters to us sort of happens in this like 20 year period from I would argue like late you know 9 10 to maybe 30 35 and that's a whole a lot of people will hear that and be like blasphemy and listen my career is staked on that's not the truth I hope that I can always put out new music that means something to you but I think the opus of what you'll listen to and really love tends to happen I think when we're like younger and impressionable and that, and I'll even again let you up into the 30s with that but that's a whole other that's a whole TED talk nobody wants to hear but that is a theory I have so I say that to say a lot of the songs that were uh submitted uh, you know, which glory love is one of those. Uh, it actually got a lot of votes. I think con- I love because it was from when I was young and it was on this movie. I think soundtrack songs are also a cheat code because they, you know, when you associate for me, at least I'm such a visual guy. When I associate music with a movie, it's not just the music. Now it's got a visual and it's these people and Daniel son is fighting for his life and the woman of his, of his dreams, you know? So, so they, so they accompany the visuals, accompany the music, which just makes you feel something because the visuals make you feel something. So it's just a big song soup of awesomeness um this song i love so much fun facts on the song i am a man who will fight for your honor i tried to make a joke on twitter about how who knew that peter satara was singing to a judge that he was saying he would fight for her honor <laughs> but your honor that's a terrible joke and if you just want to stop the podcast here and pick another one there's no judgment because it may not get better from here it may just go down <laughs> but uh so, you know, it was this huge part of the soundtrack. Um, like I said, it's a cheat code because of that. I feel like one of the things that I always love about the song is it feels like a statement. Like Peter Cetera to me is like one of the most earnest singers. Like he, he just always sounds, you know, and this lyric is like a knight in shining armor from a long time ago. You know, like, and in fact, fun, fun, fun fact on that, on that bridge, um, I didn't understand what he said. Like a night in China a long time ago. I love how he says ago. He is one of the most easily mistakable singers, I think, in all of history. There are so many Chicago songs, Peter Stare songs. I have no clue what he's singing, singing or saying. And if you put them together, that's singing. Um, but when he says, uh, 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 to take you to a castle far away, I always thought he said, take a tomb I've got so far away. And I just sang it like he meant it. And I still do. Um, there's a one of Chicago lyrics that I always thought he said, then I'm gonna need you, Elijah one, like Hakeem Elijah one. And I didn't question it because I trust, I trust Peter, and that's what matters. Um, but it, this song is amazing. Uh, it was written with uh, David Foster and Diane Nini, who I believe was his spouse at the time, was uh, Peter's spouse at the time, David Foster, who's a superhuman producer, songwriter. And and you can feel David in, in the writing. The piano part is so classic David Foster. If you don't know who he is, please look him up. Huge producer, but wrote like the St. Elmo's Fire theme and 
a lot of those Chicago hits with once they sort of went into pop Chicago, which is sort of the back half of their career, which is still a sticking point to a lot of <laughs> or a tricky uh, season for a lot of like diehard Chicago fans. Um, I do feel like it's a statement. I think it's voice. I think the asc- ascending melody on the on the verse is really nice. You know, like through it all. It's nice and mathematical. It sounds good. Uh, it some fun facts about the the actual song and it it's uh, it's in C. Uh, it goes to four and flat seven, which is I don't know if it's in C. I, I may have just figured it out in C on piano because I'm a terrible piano player, so I may have transposed it. But um, it goes to four and flat seven, which is kind of uh, odd, so gives you some interest um, in the verse. Oh, in the chorus, that's what C stands for. <laughs> I'm a professional podcaster, guys. Sorry, in the chorus, it goes um, to four, it goes to flat seven. The verse, it goes to flat seven, also major three, major six. Uh, you know, or you could maybe call it a major two five um, into a new key. Uh, changes key to E flat in the bridge. This is this is just classic sort of David Foster stuff. I mean, I think. David is sort of a prodigiously good piano player, and I think a lot of great piano players that are great songwriters do a lot of movement. Like, there's just kind of songs are all over the place, which to me is kind of his superpower. As is Peter's Tears, you combine the voice, it turns into this incredible musical moment. Um, but I love this song, and, and it was fun for me because seeing that you guys did too. I, you know, I talked earlier about how everybody voted on the, uh, you know, like what. Um, their favorite love songs were, and this one got a bunch of votes. So I was like, okay, I'm not alone in this. I don't want to be alone, guys. It's Valentine's Day. Hot take two. Okay, a second. And this this one really is one of my favorite love songs. It's not one of my favorite love songs. This really does deserve to be in the top five. My Girl by The Temptations. Um, what a song. Every time I hear this, I, I just want to grab Annie and start dancing. And that's Annie Barnes, my wife, not any other Annie's. It would be wildly inappropriate to do that with uh written by Smokey Robinson and Ronald White who I found actually produced it too you know Smokey is a genius on so many levels I mean his singing his writing but to know that he produced this which I know he produced but you know that's that's a feat man I mean to write the song that's a classic I mean this is like if there were 10 songs America was going to send to the Martians I think my girl would probably be in those songs to sort of say what our culture represents and what we can do as humans um, uh, you know, Smokey, Tears of a Clown. I mean, he's got his own, uh, he's got his own career, obviously, as a solo artist and in the Miracles. But, um, and wrote with another member of the Miracles, Ronald White, which Ronald wrote some other Motown songs. Didn't quite have the writing career that Smokey had, but who did? Uh, but so they wrote it. Um, something about this song. There's just this. It does the thing. It does the thing. Do do do. It has that, it has a, you know, a a bass intro, which to me is so fascinating. One of my favorite things that um, I've ever heard in songwriting when someone advised me when I was in my 20s, they said, you know, the best, the goal for every song is that somebody knows what it is like three seconds after you've started it. And if you think about that, you're like, yeah, that's great. But think about how hard that is. Like so many songs are written on guitar and piano and how many songs just start with a guitar and takes you 10 seconds to know what song it is because it's all the same chords it's all the same voicings on guitar it's all the same you know strum patterns and so when you have songs that can start and a lot of that is production you know like how 
when you get in the studio, you could play it on piano, and somebody's like, all right, let's let's take it over and have the bass go do 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 do. So there's kind of two iconic parts that start the song, but it's I love those songs, and I think that's a big reason it's really successful. Um, also, it's just really simple. It's it is to me if if it's songwriters and music lovers sit down and really study this song, the simplicity of this song is profound. Which thank you very much. That's very clever, but. It's really simple. It's like they're just not trying to do a lot. From the production to the parts, everything has its own place. But the even the lyric is so simple, but it does exactly what you want this song to do. The song is called My Girl. I got sunshine on a cloudy day. I mean, is there anything more simple that you could say than that? You know, when it's cold outside, I got the month of May. It just does. He's not. They're not trying too hard because it's it's so good. They don't have to. And I think if it had been any more complicated, it wouldn't be the profound sort of love song that it is. Um, I think it's fun too. The guitar does so much of the work on this song. It's the guitar playing is truly pr- pr- prodigious in my opinion. Do It's really great. Um, the rising chords for the pre-ele of I guess you say can make me feel this way, my girl. The strings at the chorus feel lush. It just feels like it should. It feels like love. You hear the strings, even the imagery, the birds and the bees. Hello, <laughs> birds and bees. I see you, Sneaky Smokey. Well, that's a cool DJ name. Yo, DJ Sneaky Smokey on a mic. Um, but, you know, you have this imagery of birds and bees and fun and just life and everything's alive. It's springtime, like it's the springtime of our love. Um, that feels amazing. The bridge to me, the key change. Uh, you know, right up to when the energy might be needed, changes keys into a din din din. I need no morning. How that even the lick is nice. You know, it's such a great way of doing it. It throws a new two five that changes the key. They don't they don't try to set you up for anything else. They just go, hey, we're changing keys. It's it's such a great 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 little easy fast trick that keeps the momentum up. It keeps the song moving. Gives you another verse and then another chorus. It's just to me like this song. And I would assume most of you, I just don't know anybody that doesn't love this song, but it is one of those songs. I hear it and I'm like, I just want to grab Annie and start dancing, you know, hot take three. The next song is one of my favorites. This is in my top five. I can say that very safely. Power of two by Indigo Girls written by Emily Salyers. And if you know me at all and you know this podcast at all, you know how much I love this woman. Emily Salyers to me is the goat of lyric writing, she's an incredible songwriter, incredible guitar player. I think that's one of the things that sadly gets overlooked so much in her skill set. If it, she her her guitar playing is is genius. Her solos are so beautiful and melodic and and, and quirky. And uh, you'll hear one on this song. She has an incredible solo in this song. Um, so so definitely check that out too and, and know that that was her playing which I think is just really impressive um, you know this song is another one of those cheat codes I talked about this sort of earlier because I have such a distinct memory of hearing this song the first time it was fall in Knoxville and I was in high school I was in a convertible driving around and it just felt like hearing the song accompanied this moment you know I was 17 I think at the time just felt like the world was just new and open and I was a sponge for music and this song just hit me right in the heart <laughs> right kicked me right in the heart notes um but I and I've loved it ever since I just love this song um and so many reasons too and I, and I sort of sat down and tried to figure it out what, what it is that I love about this song um I think a lot of it you know is the imagery it's it's musically pretty simple I mean it's it's got some quirks and stuff um 
major i mean the, the the big the big quirk to me about it is it has a f major 7 over g which is this really cool chord that's the chord you hear in the chorus um that second chord in the chorus um it's pretty straight ahead otherwise um so there's not like a lot to dive in there but i think the imagery um and two you know something that they do so well that amy and emily do in indigo indigo girls is they have they sing these really they they they're kind of always coming in and out of the song each of them and they'll sing you know harmony and then amy will come out of nowhere to sing a little part and then emily takes back over and there's a lot of that in this song a lot of interplay of their voices which is you know to me them at their like apex of strength um but the imagery is just so good you know th- to start a song with the word a love song with the word empty in the first three or four words you know the parking lot is empty everyone's gone someplace like that's a really interesting way to start a love song because you kind of go like, oh, that doesn't sound good. But then I pick you up with the trunk I've packed, a cooler, and a two-day suitcase. You're like, oh, okay, so they're not alone. They're together. They're going somewhere. And and it's just this wonderful, you know, I, I, I feel this way. It's sort of a tutorial on commitment, this this lyric, the, the way that Emily wrote this. You know, the first verse is about companionship. You know, like the world is... The parking lot's empty, but we're together. You know, like we're, we're going somewhere together. Uh, th- the second verse is sort of how well they know each other. Um, there's a real intimacy there and vulnerability, but also a warning about new things and how, you know, it's easy to feel like when you've been in a commitment for a while that something else might be better because seasons can get hard. And then the bridge is this beautiful continuation on that and really, really a, a warning, like new temptations when you scratch beneath the surface or just fool's gold, like anything that comes in your life for that thing that you're like, Oh, this new thing will make me feel better. It, it doesn't, it's fool's gold. It's a trick, you know? And so she's really honoring this commitment. And then what commitment and confession and forgiveness looks like in the last verse, which I have to read cause it's just incredible. Now we're talking about a difficult thing and your eyes are getting wet. I took us for better. I took us for worse. Don't you ever forget it. Now the steel bars between me and a promise suddenly bend with ease. The closer I'm bound in love to you, the closer I am to free. Isn't that beautiful? This idea that freedom is not the fool's gold that we want to go scratch and, and or we want to go, you know, to be with and do that. But when you scratch it, it's just it's it's not what you wanted it to be. But rather, I'm more free by honoring the commitment that I'm in. Such a beautiful song, and 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 everything about it. The production is incredible. I believe. Peter Collins produced it. It's just gorgeous, this song. And it makes me feel everything from the tip of my hair to the bottom of my feet every time I hear it. Um, and listening to it again, you know, a couple of days ago, and I was sort of putting together my thoughts about what songs I wanted. I just felt it all again, which to me was a big sort of reason I wanted this song to be in there because it still does that to me after all these years. Hot take four. So this next song is gonna is a little bit of a left hand turn. It kind of comes out of nowhere. There's, I mean, none of these really have a context. I couldn't have picked sort of five more random songs. But this is, um, this is. I love this song. I love every time it comes on. I have to stop and listen to it. Um, it's called. It's a song called "Only Love" by Winona Judd. If you don't know this song, go listen to it immediately. You'll love it. It's genius. It's beautiful. It's everything. Uh, it was written by Roger Murrah and Marcus Humm. And Roger and Marcus are both hugely successful country songwriters. Uh, Roger, especially in kind of the eighties and nineties, he wrote Alabama's um, "I'm in a hurry to get things done." A bunch of other hits. Marcus has written a bunch of other hits too. Uh, Marcus is a really fascinating songer. If you get a chance to really do a deeper dive on him, you'll find that his stuff is is a little, always a little left of center in the most beautiful ways. Like um, he's just you know you you meet those people every now and then where it's like they're amazing songwriters, but it's like the way they see the world is very different and how they think about melody and lyric. It's really peculiar and amazing. Um, 
this song, uh, my sister had, she bought when I was, um, gosh, we would have been like really young whenever it came out. I actually don't know when it came out in the nineties, but, uh, she bought it and loved it as a little cassette tape single. And I think I just stole it from her cause the minute I heard it, I was like, well, this is mine now. You can no longer have it. Beth, I'm so sorry about that. Um, but I loved this song from the minute that I heard it. Um, it's still my, one of my favorite songs of all time. And it just, again, it's a love song. It makes me feel this love, this thing in my heart. It's so beautiful. But this is a song, folks, I can't encourage you enough. I cannot say this enough. Go listen to this song. If you're a music fan, if you're a songwriting fan, this is a master class in songwriting. The chords to this song are nothing short of insanity. Um it was so hard for me to understand what was going on that I called in two of my dear friends who are kind of experts on these things, uh, who you've met at this point, John McLaughlin, who lives across the street from me. We have a uh, podcast called Dadville that we do together, one of my dear friends, um, who is a piano prodigy genius. And so anytime I get stuck on songs I don't know, he's he's a call. And then I also called my friend Rob Alley from the Great Song Podcast, who I had on the podcast, he and JP, um, a couple of weeks ago. And so, you know, they both helped me understand what was going on. It, it is, it is, it is mind-numbing what they do in this song quarterly. And I don't want this to turn into some geek fest of figuring out what the chords are, but it really I don't know that I've heard a song that is more hard to find out what key it is in because of how much they're changing keys. But as Rob Alley put so well, they're using their melody, the way they wrote the melody to make the key changes and the chords work in a way that it sounds really wonderful and normal. Uh, but just a quick flyover because you, I just have to bow and like I have to give credence to this. I have to like honor this song and the genius of it. The verse is arguably, um, arguably again, um, in G. And if it's not, let's just say it's in G for a, like an easy, you know, easy understanding. Um, then it does this flat seven thing. And then... It, uh, it, it, it goes down to an E flat at the end of every phrase. Again, I don't know that it's in G, but this is the easiest way for me to take as most people understand the key G. So at the end of the phrase of the verse phrase, it, it steps down to E flat. So it does this, it does F at the end of the phrase and it steps a whole step down to E flat, which is now arguably the new one. So then it's set, so it does a walk up to the six now. So it goes four, five, if we're in the key of E flat, it goes four, five, six minor. And then it does this really bizarre four major seven into a new key. And then it does G and then it does C and then F. And so literally you don't ever really know where the heck you are. So if you're calling it C minor, that could be the key. It could be the key of uh, E flat. It's crazy. Um, so I literally had to call these guys I was like, how is it? How is what they're doing making sense? And there is a shared, if you look at the A, a flat major seven, there is this, which is the four of the B flat key, right? Um, there is a G in it. So you could argue that him going from the A flat major seven to G, cause it's a G is maybe a shared note, but that's, I think a little of a stretch. John McLaughlin's like, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's cause it'd still be the same chord without that seven in it, or it'd still have the same sort of tone. Um, Anyway, again, it's just geekery. If you have a chance to listen to it, it's just, it's astounding. And then they do this thing in the bridge where they go um, one major two, uh, five, or one major two, four, one. It's just nuts. Like, it's so, so good. You know, I actually wrote this quote down yesterday. Um, your brain approves the move. Something about the human brains that go, yeah, that's cool, is what John McLaughlin said about this melody in these chords that don't make any sense. On paper, 
in some way, but just it's again, it's a feat of songwriting. It is a proof that a melody will justify any chords under it. If it's a good enough melody, you can get away with any chords under it. And this song does that. The lyric is really cool and kind of trippy to me. You know, the I've sailed a boat or two out on the wild blue, yonder to dreams rarely come true. As far as I can see, the island of green, I can put put my trust in just one thing. Only love sails straight from the harbor. Only love will lead us to the other store shore, not store. Um, and out of all the flags I've flown, one flies high and stands alone. Only love. It's just just a really, really trippy, cool, beautiful song. And I feel like one of the things that I sort of lament these days is that, you know, in the 90s, people could cut these kind of songs and they'd be hits. You know, like it's this acoustic thing that's really trippy. A friend of mine said he saw Marcus play it in the round once and it was in this weird tuning, which makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but it's just really artsy and beautiful and weird and wonderful. And I dare any of you... Uh, people that play an instrument that like doing this kind of deep dive to sit with this song and try to figure it out. It will it will open your mind to new things. It's like being on a psychedelic without the psychedelic. But it's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful song. Hot Take 5. So this is the part of the podcast where I go back on what I said earlier and prove myself wrong. So I really wanted to not just have songs that I loved, um, that are love songs, songs that I love, that are love songs from when I was, you know, sort of like that have, have peppered my past, if you will. But I wanted to find something. I, I, I wanted to be fair and sort of try to find a song that I've really enjoyed in the last few years that's like a love song. And this was really no contest. Um, there is a song called Waiting, Waiting by Kate K.S. That's K-A-T-E-K-S. Um, it randomly came on my um, Discovery playlist um, on Spotify probably a year and a half ago. And I think it was my most played song last year. You know how Spotify puts out that thing that's like, hey, these are the songs that you wore out. I think it was my most played song. I have listened to this song, and I'm not being facetious at least a hundred times. Um it just, when it came on, I was like, what is this? And I've played it so many times. And in fact, <laughs> listening to it again, knowing I was like, that's a song. That's a great example of a song that even in my 40s um, sort of made its way into my ethos. And now it's just a part of, it's like one of the songs I listen to when I listen to music. And I, and you know, but it's just this beautiful song. So it was written by Kate. Her name is Kate Kelsey Sugg. So Kelsey Dash Sugg, so she goes by Kate KS. But it's just to be, in fact, I call it, this is another tricky one. This song, tricky, tricky, tricky. It is so tricky chord-wise, what she's doing, that I called John. I was like, can you, McLaughlin, I was like, can you help me figure out what the heck is going on? Especially being a piano song. I, I, I have a hard time, this is a fun fact about me, I actually have a really hard time. I get stuck on on chord voicings and things sometimes. Some of that I'll blame on me being a not great guitar player, but... John is so great because one, again, I said this earlier in one of the songs, but not only is he a prodigy piano player, but he also has got an amazing ear. So he helped me understand what's going on. But so the song is really sweet. It's it's called Waiting because it's about falling in love. And how many days will I wait for you dreaming in circles of nights for two? I never knew love could feel this true till I found you. And so it's um it's this beautiful song about like falling in love. I never knew love could feel this true until I found you. It's beautiful. And I'm kind of cheating because it's kind of a waiting song. It's kind of a longing song, but it's really sweet longing song. So I'm letting it count, <laughs> which you guys are like, that's not how the game works, but I made the game. Um, so, um, it's a beautiful song. It's just really sweet. And her voice is just, again, folks, I think songs are magic when you have the singer's voice communicates the song's intention. Meaning like you can have the best singer in the world sing 
a song and it just doesn't feel right because it, it's not communicating with the songs trying to communicate, you know. And so this is one of those songs where Kate just, her voice is so gentle and beautiful and sweet. and But it's really complicated, the song. And if you get a chance, listen to it. But basically, I had John help me with it. It's it, Listen to this verse. So the verse is a one to a one uh, dominant seven to a one over four to a one over four minor. And then it goes from one from that a few times to one seven major seven four flat and then a six flat five <laughs> it is so bizarre and then I, it it also does a one over five minor a, to a two to a one minor two to a one i mean it's it's really really interesting um there's another part of the song which i think is the bridge that goes minor four flat seven to the um to a, the back to the no it goes to the one major seven at one point it does a key change it's just crazy the whole thing it's just really weird and beautiful and I was like oh, I'll figure it out and I sat down to figure it out. I was like oh, no this is way beyond my pay grade um but it's just this beautiful beautiful song um and I want to include it because it is one of those songs that's made its way into my life and I love it I, and it was so fun playing it for John yesterday because he's like oh great this is now one of my favorite songs uh, but it is a beautiful song, and again, just really communicates this feeling of love and tenderness, and her, the way she sings it. The chords are insane. The feel, it feels so good. It's kind of this little pseudo R&B thing that's going on, but if you don't know it, I guarantee you, you will love it. So now we're at the part of the program where we're going to talk about the songs that you guys said are your favorite love songs. I got on Instagram, and I said, hey, write down your favorite love song. I'll tally the votes and we'll, and I'll talk about the five that got the most votes. So here are the five that got the most votes. Hot take one. The first one is to make you feel my love. And I, you know, kind of saw this coming. This, this almost made it into my five favorite. Um, how do you know it's a good song? Because it can be covered by Adele, who's a pop singer songwriter, Billy Joel, another pop singer songwriter, Garth Brooks, a country uh, singer songwriter and Bob Dylan, who's a, a folk singer songwriter, let's say, and all of them are amazing. Um, that that is the test. That is a litmus paper on the quality of a song. Paper test on the quality of a song is how many people can cover it in different genres, and it's bulletproof. Every time you hear it, you're like, yeah, that, that one's amazing. That one's amazing. Um, Bob Dylan wrote it. He was the original artist. And Bob, if, you, if you're if you used to the versions that all of us are, which is probably either Garth or Adele's version, listening to him is really interesting because there's some chords in there. I'm like, I'm not sure he knew what that chord was and he, when he played it, which I really love. Um, quick flyover on this song to me. The chromatic walk down for a song is always a win. You know, if, if, if you're just kind of slowly walking down the keyboard like he's doing... It's just something about walk walk downs, you know, like a like a chord walk down. There's another song we'll talk about in a second that you guys voted for that has this in it too. They just do something. There's a little magic there. His is different because it's not your typical sort of like, you know, um, major chord walk down. Uh, if it's like if you're in G, imagine so you're going G down to E to D to C. You know, you're just kind of walking it on down. This is chromatic, so it's going by half step down the keyboard. Um, which is really cool. Uh, instead, I do love this. Instead of a minor two five, it's a major two five at the end, which is another little throw that I think. I only think people like Bob Dylan or, or people who play keys who don't naturally play keys would do because you just kind of go, "That sounds good." But I think if you knew enough, you'd be like, "Oh no, it needs to be a minor two five to get back into the key, uh, to get back to the first, you know, the first chord that's the key of the song." He's like, "Nah, we're gonna do this." Um, when the evening shatters and the stars appear. What a first line to a song. I mean, are you kidding me? 
Uh, and I think too, the last thing I'll say is there's so much forlorn, there's so much wanting in this song. You know, I think you just really hear Bob, but you know, or Adele or Billy Joel or Garth. There's just so much wanting. There's so much like, oh my gosh, a crawl across the avenue. You know, like, um, there's nothing I wouldn't do to make you feel my love. I mean, it's just it's it's just such a beautiful song, and you feel the want. I think, and it really it's just really effective with this beautiful. You know, you think about crawling down the avenue, and that's kind of what the piano is doing. Is it's crawling? It's kind of going at this pace down the keys, and you really feel it. It combines with this beautiful mixture of a love song. Hot take two. The second most voted for with eight uh, votes to make you feel my love was eleven. The luckiest by Ben Folds, and this, you know, this song I I, I know I don't know it well, but I'd kind of forgotten about. It. I actually texted John McLaughlin and was like, "What What do you think your favorite love song is?" And he said this. He said the luckiest. Um, it's a beautiful song. It's on Rock in the Suburbs by Ben Folds. He wrote it by himself, as did Bob Dylan write, wrote to Make You Feel My Love by himself, which is already frustrating enough um, that both those guys wrote these on their own. Um, but this it's just a beautiful song. It's got this ascending melody in the verse, um, which is the same thing we talked about with Gloria Love. And one of my favorite songs that I'm really kind of giving an honor, honorable mention to is one of my favorite love songs of all time is Feels Like Home by Randy Newman. There's something in your eyes makes me want to lose myself. And especially the version by Chantel Krasavakalakaliak, Chantel Shavasakarnakarvak, uh, that was on the Armageddon soundtrack. It's probably how some of you guys and gals know that. But um, it does that same thing, the sort of walk-up um, melody um, in the verse, which is really beautiful. You know, lyrically, shocker, it's really cool and strange, much like Ben Folds himself. The confession right from the beginning of the song is so captivating. You know, it really gets your attention. The second verse about being born 50 years before his wife or his love interest is really fascinating. You're like, oh, that kind of is interesting. I've never thought about that. The last verse, you know, the third verse about the couple dying within a couple of days of each other. I know it's a strange way to say, of saying we belong, that line. It's just really cool and quirky, again, like him. And it's one of these love songs to me that's so funny. I even told John, and he's like, I can't believe so many people like that song because it just feels like, but I think when you hear it, it just gets you, you know? And this is sort of a hot take here. We're back into hot takes. It's also kind of feels like a wedding song in the vein of Pachelbel's Canon and D. Like Ben Folds, one of his gifts to me is sort of taking, you can tell his knowledge of piano playing and growing up playing these classical pieces and he kind of puts them in his songs and you really feel that in this song. So it almost, it's almost tricking you into feeling things because it has so much of a feel of that, of an old classical, especially Canon D, which is, you know, played in every wedding known to man. The tag is also really great and simple and the luckiest, like it doesn't, that lyric actually kind of feels clumsy and not right, sort of falls over the line like it shouldn't, which is great because it even speaks more to like, I'm the luckiest because I'm not really great at stuff, but you are, you know, which is great. Um, And I'm not sure that somebody else singing this song would be as powerful. I think Ben Fold's voice, which is a really unique voice, has got that Randy Newman thing where it's like, I think if Michael Bolton had sung this song, I don't know why I chose Michael Bolton. Um, I don't know, or even Michael Bublé, somebody that you know is kind of known for being a singer. I just don't know that it would communicate quite um, like it does uh, because it's it's been in his quirky, amazing voice that that communicates exactly the quirk and beauty of that song. Hot take three. This next song wasn't a shocker at all either. Crazy Love by Van Morrison. A lot of people voted for Aaron Neville's version of it. There's this is another song uh exactly like to make you feel my love it just it's bulletproof anybody and their mother can cover this song 
and it's going to kind of be great because it's just a great song. Uh, some of the magic of this song, you know, you give me love, 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 crazy love. I mean, that chorus, and, and there's the walk down. We talked about it on To Make You Feel My Love. You know, that that's your walk down chorus. You feel, dun, 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 dun. just, you can feel it. I think some of the magic is how it's gentle his vocal is. I mean, was he asleep <laughs> when he tracked the song? He sounds so, so gentle. He's so quiet, you know, and you're kind of like, do we need to, is he okay? Is everything going okay? Um, that's, I think some of the magic is it feels mystical and, you know, into the mystic. That was another song on that record. You know, it just feels like magical. Um, uh, I think it's got this tricky R&B, R&B vibe, especially in that bridge. It sort of gets like kind of funky out of nowhere. That bass is so loud. <laughs> Dude, like if you listen to the bridge on that song, it feels like the bass player must have like, been there when nobody else was and he's like yeah we're turning that thing up or in this case he was like yeah we're turning that thing up it's not loud enough um and the bgvs i mean so random and wonderful love 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 crazy it's so it just feels so it's like this gentility of his voice and how he's communicating it's so quiet and then you have these bass that's loud as all get out on the bridge and then these bgvs that are kind of loud and feel like how do R&B vocals work on this gentle sort of acoustic song? And yet, it, congrats, High Five, Van Morrison, because it works to great effect. What an incredible song. Hot Take 4. Now, this next one was kind of a surprise, man. I'm not going to lie to you. Still the one came in with a seven votes. And again, I know these numbers sound weird because you had 400 people vote, but there were a billion songs that just were one-offs. And then these were the songs that actually you know, had a cumulative effect, like more than one person mentioned them, but still the one is an interesting one. I love this song, so don't get me wrong, but to know that so many people love it is really fascinating to me. So it's by Shania Twain. Still the one, still the one I dream of. And it's, it's a great, it's a great song. I mean, Shania wrote it with her husband at the time, Mutt Lang, who, if you don't know who Mutt is, he is a super producer songwriter. He, you know, wrote and produced a lot of the Brian Adams hits. He wrote a lot of the, um, he wrote, he produced ACDC. He, he wrote, uh, wrote and produced for gosh. I mean, it just kind of feels like if they, Oh, Def Leppard hysteria, that record, which was a massive album with pour some sugar. I mean, he, he's, he's just kind of a genius. He really is. He, uh, did Maroon five stuff. Um, few records ago. He's just, he's just a, he's a, he's an incredible producer. Um, and songwriter and and singer to he's just he's incredible he's just one of those guys but if you don't know who he is look it up Mutt Lang so they wrote it together he produced it um, I always thought the talk intro was kind of weird I'm always a little weirded out when me and look we're so in love and they you know it's whatever it works for some people I guess but I always just laugh thinking like how weird was that in the studio and he was like no okay so talk a little lower okay with less of an accent you know whatever I never quite know how those get tracked um, the vocals on the chorus to me are huge and wonderful and. You know, that's that's Mutt's thing. If you know his production at all, it's all about t- it's super precise and very everything has to be exactly where it is. And like he's a big stat guy, so he'll want a million vocals and they have to be perfectly aligned and every word's got to be right on top of each other. Um, and you hear that in that chorus. It really opens up. Also, pro- possibly the greatest lap steel solo of all time. Assuming that's a lap steel. It sounds like a lap steel to me. Um it's just beautiful and weird and sounds like it's backwards, but I think that's just the volume swells that the guy's playing it. So it's really cool and bizarre. Um, 
and it's not that I don't get why this is why this is loved by so many people. The melodies are really cool. I sort of had to sit and go, hold on now, don't sleep on these melodies. Like I bet I bet what's going on. I mean, there's some really cool stuff happening. I even think the cadence of the chorus is really cool. How it's busy at the front and 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 sort of like um, less, you know, busy at the back. That um. You know, it kind of goes fast and slows down. I don't know what all that was, but you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so, um, but you know, it's just a surprise. Like, all right, hey, you know, Shania still got it. Uh, still the one. And I do think, I will say lastly, I do think there is something really endearing to a lot of us about looks like we made it. You know, they look how far we've come. You know, they said we would do it. So there is. I get that there is this thing about like hearing love songs that are like, look, we persevered. So obviously, you know, I get that. But um, but I, I was kind of surprised. Like, hey, Shania is still us. She's still the one. Hot take five. Boy, you guys love this song. And I love this song, too. This one came in with five votes. It's When You Say Nothing At All uh, by Alison Krauss. What a song. I mean, what a gentle, beautiful love song. Um, it's actually written by Don Schlitz and Paul Overstreet. Don Schlitz is a country songwriting legend in Nashville. He wrote The Gambler, I think, by himself. Uh, Paul Overstreet wrote Forever and Ever and Amen. I mean, Forever and Ever Amen by Randy Travis. I mean, just these guys have got more hits than a bong at Woodstock. <laughs> you know, so it's not a shocker at all that you would know that they wrote this song. It's a really clever song, too. I, I think you can't sleep on how genius that idea is. You know, like, you say it best when you say nothing at all. Uh, it's sort of the opposite of more than words, but both are just as effective for what they're trying to say in, in sort of opposite ways, uh, which I was surprised wasn't higher on the list. Uh, more than words by extreme. I think it got like three or four votes, which is still pretty good. Um, I think Alison Krauss singing this is a lot of why it messes me up. It's just so beautiful and sweet and vulnerable. Uh, it's so gentle and humble. Um, I love how the vocals hang over in the bridge before the guitar solo um, I think Armando Solo can't remember it is, but this is a beautiful, beautiful love song. This is not a surprise at all why why people would love this. And if you don't know it, it's just so tender and beautiful and worthy of listening to on Valentine's Day. All right, so this is technically six uh, songs, but these two tied. So um, I think in your eyes had the same amount of votes as when you say nothing at all at four or five, I think. But I wanted to add it because I just think if you can't have it in your eyes on the list and not talk about it. I mean, this song to me, this is my opinion. This is a hot take. It might be the greatest pop vocal of all time. I mean, it and, and arguably maybe one of the greatest tracks of all time in the production and the sounds and the playing. It's just, man, when this song comes on, you just can't not feel something. I mean, obviously it was in the John uh, Cusack movie, Say Something. Is that right? Say Anything? Say Anything. And, uh, which is technically saying something. Um, and, you know, he holds a boom box up and what, I mean, I would argue maybe the most iconic music moment of the eighties and, and, you know, maybe top five of all time, um, you know, him holding the song, the boom box up over and she comes to the window. It's just such a huge, huge moment, you know? Um, so it already has for, for any of us that can remember that it's an old, it's an older movie, but, um, you know, uh, Two, it's just a tricky song. I, I I think Peter Gabriel could be there. There's a strong case that could be made that he has one of the va- greatest rock pop vocals of all time. Like what it communicates and his ability to communicate and sing in the gruff gravel. It is incredible his voice and the way they mic it. It's just amazing. 
Um, this verse, I mean, this chorus, hello, this song is tricky too because the verse is in D and the chorus uh, goes up a step to E. But the E has the D, which is the flat seven in it. So you have this familiarity in it. So it's really cool how Peter does that in that it's like, uh, uh, and I should have said it's about Peter Gabriel Oprah. You guys know that by now. I'm not sure if I said that. But uh, the verse is in D, you know, and then it changes up, but it has that familiar D in it because it's doing that little D thing, uh, flat seven thing in the in the chorus too. The funny part of this is there's a drum break that sort of resets your ear and then before it changes back to D in the verse. And it's there's some quirks to this song. One of it is that. So it does it. It just sits there for a minute and then it goes back into the verse. So he doesn't even have to do any kind of key change back down to D. He just lets the drums play for, a, I don't know, four bars? It feels like forever. And then they just start the song back over in the verse in D. So it's kind of like, oh, you don't have to worry about how to key change back into it. There's so much room in this song. Like if you listen to this song, you would I think you'll be amazed at how much room there is. There's just all the space. Like love, love, space, space, space. I get so lost sometimes. Space. Days of waiting, space, space. When the emptiness fills my heart. It's just really, he's, he's not scared. I mean, the drum break, he's just not scared to let the song do that and sit there for a while. And then not only, not only that, but it it is like he has that moment on the second chorus where he just he lets the chorus goes through with without singing the second chorus go through without singing his part. There's almost it's almost four minutes in. This is the second time the chorus happens, and he just lets it play in your eyes. The heat, your he's it's he's not even singing his part. It's fascinating. Then he sings it. The chorus goes through one whole time. Then he sings it like it is. It's just really weird, um, but a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song, and it just comes alive. Like you, in those choruses and the in the, I mean, it's just it's just beautiful. The pre that it really really feels like those pre's sort of, especially the first time. It just all of a sudden it's like the song sort of like um, breathes this new life. Um, but it's it's I mean to me it is one of the greatest songs of all time. Really, without without any challenge, I think, in a lot of ways. And it was fun to see you guys agree with that. Well, thanks for hanging out, guys. That was fun. Those are some of my favorite love songs and some of your favorite love songs, too. Thanks for sort of doing the uh, the deep dive into what makes them great and why they matter so much to me and, and uh, hopefully you guys. Um, if you do love uh, playlists and love songs, you can definitely sort of put this together, these songs together. Um, we have a playlist uh, on Spotify of, of all of the Dave's Five High Take songs. Uh, so you can find it there. Also, I have a fun playlist on Spotify called Dave's Fave Love Songs. And guess what? Some of mine are in there. <laughs> well, that's fun. Just type in Dave's Fave Love Songs, fave is in favorite. Um, and it'll be there ready for you and to celebrate your Valentine's Day and all of the wonder and glory that it is. The glory of love. See? Turn it back. It's a full circle, folks. Um, so we learned a lot from these uh, five hot takes, really ten hot takes. But I'll tell you one thing we didn't learn is that Van Morrison hated the cars. <laughs> anyway. We'll see you next time on Days 5 Hot Takes. Yeah!